here we go with episode number four. Grace, thank you for taking the time. I know we spoke about how, how busy you've been. Just got back from New York, the Big East tournament. Uh, luckily, Xavier is still in it um, at the time that we are recording, and so is Michigan State. So we're on opposite sides of the bracket, so potential Michigan State Xavier championship. Yeah, maybe is still we'll meet up. Cards. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, again, appreciate it, and I think a lot of people are going to take a lot from this conversation. I know I personally will. I know I think I learned something from you every time we <laughs> work together, every year we work together, and just a little bit of background for those listening, those watching. You interned with Prep Baseball Report in 2021, so that was my third year full-time. You were in my third crop of of interns, and you you stood out you a lot of personality traits stood out um a lot of leadership traits and i think i like i said i learned something for you from you every you know year or we work together but one thing that that stands out and i think some of the guys and and myself talked about it i forgot if it was after your intern summer or if it was after last summer but one thing we all agreed on was any room that Grace walks into, she's going to be incredibly successful. And I think that speaks a lot to your, like I said, personality traits, leadership traits. And one word that comes to mind when I think of Grace Garrity is confidence. So where did you get <laughs> confidence from? Like, where did that start and how did that manifest into what it is today? Well, I think confidence has always been a struggle for me until I got to college. It wasn't something that I always had. It's something that I've had to work for. Um, playing sports, that confidence has such a roller coaster effect on my life, um, especially going through injuries. I'd be at all-time highs, and I felt like I owned the world. And then there's obstacles that you run into, coaches that you meet, people, that suddenly that confidence isn't there anymore. So I think – especially during high school, it was kind of an inner battle that I had where I had to learn that who I was on the inside, what I bring to the table was enough. I didn't have to prove things to anyone else. Um, the skills that I bring to a room, to a job, to friendships was good enough for me and that that's what I got to work with. I am who I am. Um, and then kind of when I got to college, I met these wonderful people, my teammates, and I think they also instilled that in me where they're like, hey, you are Grace Garrity. You can do it. You can do anything. And I think that I needed that, that I was already building that confidence within. And then my teammates were like, hey, yeah, no, you are awesome. You are a good person. And so the combination of me building it on my own, along with the amazing teammates I made at Wofford, just kind of meshed and so now I'm here today and I'm like yeah I, I can rock this I am here I am I'm doing all right <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and I, I didn't know you back then obviously right in high school but kind of doing my my research it, it looked like you had the tools to be confident at least in athletics right you were uh two-time first team all-conference uh in lacrosse you made the um, Illinois, Wisconsin, the tournament team, uh, all state honorable mention two years. Like, 
it, it, it from the outside looking in, it looks like you had those tools. Um, where was your, your confidence level in athletics because you had a really good high school lacrosse career? I did have a good lacrosse career on paper. Um, I think what people don't see is the injuries that I had. Um, in the eight years that I've played lacrosse at a high level, whether varsity in, um, in high school or division one in college, I actually only played four full seasons of those eight years. Every other year I was out with an injury. So I think struggling with that, there was always this little bit of confidence that was taken back with every injury that I had. Because there's always this little voice in your head, like, is it going to happen again? I'm going to have to work back again. So kind of working through those emotions sometimes teetered that confidence. Um, but then obviously it helped getting some awards that was like, okay, I am, I'm on the right path. I'm doing what I got to do. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a, sometimes it's just an inner battle. So then you go into Wofford College, uh, play Division One lacrosse, but you go to Spartanburg, South Carolina from a suburb an hour-ish outside of Chicago. What was that transition like going from, uh, you know, like I said, an hour outside of Chicago to Spartanburg, South Carolina? Well, I think... So I committed to Wofford going into my junior year. So for two years of high school, I knew I was going to Wofford. I don't know what I was expecting. I think that I, I've i loved Chicago. I've loved where I grew up. But I think in my head, I was like, I'm so ready to try something new. And my parents were super supportive. And they're like, this is the time to go venture out. Go to South Carolina. What other opportunities would you have to go into the crazy South? But um yeah, it was kind of, I wasn't scared per se, but it definitely had some anxious, it's such a different world in South Carolina than your hustle and bustle of Chicago. So transition-wise, it definitely helped knowing that I had eight girls committed with me. So I was going in immediately with people I was going to know. Um, that helped a ton, um, which is why I really did want to play sports in college because you're given a built-in team. You're given a built-in friendship with, 20 plus girls. So that definitely helped the transition, being able to build those relationships prior to moving down there. Um, and then when I did get there, I think just you cope with what you're given. I think the biggest change was how the Southern vibes are a little bit slower. People take their time. They stop and smell the roses. They're fishing. I wasn't really used to that, but I loved it. I loved the change. And I... The best thing was the weather. That was easy to get used to. 70 degrees in February, I was like, sign me up. Done. I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're seeing that now here in Chicago, at least. I mean, it's we're probably not going to get out of like the mid-30s and 40s for a while now. So um, yep, don't miss it. Can definitely use some, no, can definitely use some, some southern weather right now. But I think it's important that you, you mentioned you were going in with people you knew and I think a lot of people are going into college with not not blindly but maybe alone and you know my friend that I didn't meet until I got to Michigan State he had said he had said that he had done going you know he's in you know senior year high school going into freshman year like 
he did like this follow train right on Facebook and we used to give him like so much shit and we kind of like made fun of him for it and then now at the age of 26 I look back and I say you know what that was kind of a smart idea because he probably had more friends than I did and I you know it's kind of like at the time it was like haha you know you needed you know Facebook to make friends in college but I think that might have enriched his experience a little bit more so I think that's awesome that you knew people going in, but your teammates who you didn't know, um, what was it like building that relationship like or that um, friendship like? I know you had athletics to help with that. You know, you were in the locker room, on the field, stuff like that. But, um, you know, how was that friendship building off the field? The teammate thing was easy. It came natural because you are forced to be together, whether you like it or not. You're in the locker room. You're Because our schedules are the same, we'd go from 6 a.m. lift to breakfast to classes to afternoon lifts to practice to conditioning, back to lunch. Then we all lived together because our coach at the time wanted us to room with lacrosse players. So on that side, it was really easy because – whether I liked it or not, I was seeing my roommate for 24 hours. We had to get along. There was really no options. On the non-athletic side, it was a little bit more intimidating because I feel like when you are on a team, it's easy to fall back on them and be like, oh, I don't need to make other friends because I already have the lacrosse team. There are my sorority. Um, and I think something that I did regret was not venturing out more freshman year um, because I did use my team as an excuse. Um, but there was two girls in my grade who decided to join sororities. And through them, we it opened up so many more people with so many different perspectives that weren't athletes. Um, and that was a really cool experience because I was like, I didn't even know you went to this school and you're such a cool person. So I think I could have ventured out more freshman year, but I learned that. And then sophomore year, um, we roomed with like four different people rather than just you and your roommate in your two by two cube. But, and I decided to room with non-athletes because I wanted that in-between state of, I am an athlete, I'm friends with these girls, but I also want to expand my horizons and meet new people. So I roomed with two girls that were, love them to death, but they were the opposite of athletes. They wouldn't, they didn't even go on runs. They were not it. So I think it was cool to have that balance where I could go talk to them and have them be completely unbiased about what was going on in my life. And I could just talk and hear their perspectives from someone who wasn't into sports. And it was great. And they led me to meet so many other people. So, Yeah, I think that's so important to have people you can go to that are stronger suited in different areas, right? Like you said, you can talk to someone about sports, right? Your teammates, you can go to your other roommates for something else. And I think that's that's important to have that, that network for, you know, or those outlets for different things in your life. Take me through a day in your life as an athlete, practice, I'm guessing study hall, stuff like that. What, take me through uh, a day in the life of Grace Garrity at Wofford College. Okay, so my senior year, was probably I was waking up at like 5.45 a.m. to go to our 6 or 6.30 lift. 
Um, although it sounds brutal, sometimes it was really nice to get it out of the way. You felt really accomplished. Then, you know, I had to breakfast, and then all of our classes were in the morning. So usually I had an 8 a.m. and 9.30 and 11 a.m., those three classes um, in a row. I was an econ and English major, so total opposite sides of the spectrum, which is kind of fun. I'd go to, like, reading Shakespeare and then go to my next class and learn about Nash Equilibrium. It was kind of – it was a fun little – I, my brain's still messed up from it, but then after classes, usually we're all together eating lunch. Um, a lot of times we had recruits. So all of us would go meet in the dining hall, pile onto one table with our one recruit. Um, then practices were in the afternoon. These would be anywhere from an hour to three hours, depending on our weekly schedule. Um, and then after that, I was probably in the training room doing some sort of physical therapy, um, my trainer, Anna, give her a shout out, Saint, I don't know how she dealt with me, but I was in there probably every day. And then, you know, dinner, hung out with everyone, you know, get an hour to gossip and scream like we do, and then homework. And that was pretty much a day in my life. Touch on those injuries a bit. What, you know, what were the severity of those and how much of a, a roadblock were those injuries? Just both playing and kind of just life, like, okay, I have to deal with this. This kind of sucks. Is this going to linger for a long time? What was the severity and the nature of those those injuries throughout your collegiate career? Sure. So I came into college having already had three knee injuries. Um, I was like, all right, done. Got them all out in high school. I'll be good for college. Not so much the case. Um, so I went in with two ACL tears and a meniscus surgery going into college. Then played my freshman year. It was good. Everything felt good. Sophomore year, took a little divot, had to get another surgery for scar tissue that had built up that was restricting my mobility. So that was surgery number four. Um, that was only about six weeks. So I was like, okay, easy. I can deal with that. I've dealt with worse. And then come senior year, Well, all through junior year, I was having pain. Something wasn't right, but I was like, I'm going to keep pushing. This is what I wanted to do. Um, I'm just going to keep going. Senior year just kept getting worse. I'd go to practice, and my knee would be the size of a softball. Probably not great. Then um, I went into my surgeon beginning of senior year, and he was like, this is going to be a really tough conversation, but I just need to be honest with you. Your knees are not looking good. He pulled up, I'll never forget, he pulled up a picture of the inside of a 65-year-old man's knee and said, this is what yours looks like, and you're 22. Probably shouldn't be happening. I was like, okay, great. Where do we go from here? Like, what does that mean? Do I get to keep playing? Do I, you pull some quick strings? I I go back on the field? He was like, unfortunately, it's not that simple. Um... We tried to do some things that were non-surgical because obviously doing things that are not invasive is best. So we tried to do some shots and cortisone. Nothing really worked. So in December, I got um, had the conversation that I would get a full cartilage um, replacement. I had about a dollar or a silver dollar size, so a little bit bigger than a quarter worth of cartilage completely gone from the back of my kneecap. 
which was causing bone-on-bone friction, um, which was causing even more cartilage to be floating around in my knee. Kind of gross. Sorry for everyone who is a little (laughs) woozy about injuries, but um, the pictures are cool. But so he just said, like, it's kind of it's time to make those hard decisions. So in December, I decided that my career would be over. Didn't play my senior season. Um, It was just the best decision for me to be able to, you know, in 30 years, still have a working leg. Um, Obviously, it was tough, but I needed to make that decision for myself. And then in January, I had a cadaver cartilage piece put into my knee, um, have about a six inch scar running from the top of my knee to the bottom of my knee. Um, got 120 ish stitches internal. So that's kind of cool. Kind of a fun fact. And then from there it was back to square one, learning how to redo walking. And, um, yeah, that was kind of the end of the surgeries for now. And that was about, a year and a half ago. So yeah, still kind of working through it. That's unreal. I, I guess I've never asked, but I didn't know all of that about you. And I guess this is why we're doing this, right? To, to listen to, to everything you've been through and and your experiences, but that's, that's tough. I don't, I don't know. I guess because I didn't know those things and because you carry such a great, like, positive personality, it's it's almost tough to believe someone who has kind of gone through <laughs> all that carries such positivity. What did you, what or who did you lean on at the time? Like, you're going through all this, you're kind of got your senior year taken away from you. What did you lean on or who did you lean on? Was it? friends, family, faith, like what, what kind of helped you get through some of these, um, you know, it was a physical roadblock, but mentally I'm sure it wasn't easy as well. Yeah, I think my mom and I always joked that I had a support staff at all times. I would never have been able to get through some of the injuries. And again, like the, like you said, the mental roadblocks that come with some of these injuries without my, my army behind me. Um, I think first and foremost, if my parents weren't who they were, I don't think that I would have continued to continue to fight um, through these injuries and make it back on the field. Um, my mom and I got super, super close through this experience. Um, and then my teammates as well. I think in high school, I was super closed off. I didn't love to share people tell people how I was feeling. Like someone would be like, oh, how are you doing about your knee injuries? I'm like, oh, I'm completely fine. I'm good. I'll make it back. When sometimes I wasn't fine. Sometimes it's okay to say, today sucks. The injuries suck. Um, so I think through the process I was and with the girls at Wofford, I was able to kind of break down some of those barriers and be like, hey, I actually am really struggling. This knee injury sucks. I'm on my fifth one. That sucks. And I need you. I need you to talk me through it. I need you to just be a friend. Or sometimes it was as simple as I don't want to talk about it. I want to feel normal. I want to go just on a drive or go get ice cream or go play catch playing lacrosse to feel like a normal person again. Because so many times my knee was in a locked out brace. So yeah, it affected things on the field. Obviously, I couldn't play. But I also felt kind of like that eyesore in class. You walk into class and everyone's like, oh, what happened to her? Sometimes it's simply 
was just a friend being there, being like, hey, let's go do something to take your mind off stuff. So definitely had a full support staff, couldn't have done it alone, my trainers. Um, and then I started dating my boyfriend my junior year when my last surgery happened that um, was obviously career ending. And I don't know how he dealt with me, but I am I think he was given to me the right place at the right time because without that support of him, my family, my friends, I don't think that I would be here talking to you with a smile on my face. So hmm. um yeah, definitely grateful for the people that I was given. And still dealing with you, I think. And, st- um, and he's still dealing with me. <laughs> still, yeah. And everything I've heard about him, it's been awesome. So I'm glad, you, yeah, he's glad right. he, he came into your life <laughs> at, at the right time. I think I feel like with all these kind of experiences and the way you carry yourself, you'd be a great coach. Has that ever – have you had any coaching experience? And if not, will you? Yes. So I think I've never not coached a summer until this past summer. Um, With my club team, I played for team one out of Chicago area. And like every summer I'm working with them some way or another. They're awesome. Um, And then when I was little, like in high school, I would coach for like the little girls, like second, third grade. It was so much fun. Um, my dad actually has said the same thing to me that he's like, you've gone through so much. You have such a positive attitude. Why don't I coach? Um, if I'm being completely honest, I think I wanted a break. I wanted after college kind of a breathing room to separate myself from lacrosse, figure out my career goals. Um, I'm currently working on my MBA. So I wanted to really just hone in and focus on my academic and career goals that I have. But definitely haven't ruled it out. I think that lacrosse and coaching has been such a big part of my life that I do. It's not ruled out in the future. I think I would revisit it. Which coaches have you connected with the most? Thinking back to your youth days, high school, college, which coaches have you taken the most from and why? Like, What, what do they instill in you that you might still use today? Sure. Um, coaching wise, I've had a very interesting experience. While at Wofford, I think we're on our fourth head coach, nine coaches overall. So it's been a lot of us having to push ourselves forward rather than a coach doing it for us. Um, high school, same thing. I had some interesting experiences with coaches. Honestly, the best coach that I've ever had was my dad. Um, he is been my, like I said, the support staff since the beginning. He pushed me to be into sports. Um, I think mentally I, I needed sports. Um, and so I think since the beginning and having him coach me through the recruiting process, um, being that voice of reason during injuries, during college games, whatever it is, um, he kind of always made sure that whatever I was going through, I was doing it with me, with something that I was proud of. Um, The biggest advice I've ever taken from him would be, I have to trust my instincts. With being in athletics, going through the recruiting process, there is so many voices going through your head. One coach thinks you're really good at defense. One coach thinks that you're really good at offense. One coach says you suck. I think that the thing that he taught me was, you got to do what's right for you. You got to fight for the things you want to fight for. And it doesn't really matter if someone else thinks that you're wrong. If you truly think 
hey, I got this and you believe in yourself. That's really all that matters. So shout out to my dad. Best coach I've ever had. Yeah, and I've met your dad too. I think it was at the, the future games where Ryan was playing. So I've met him and, and he's awesome from my couple times running into him. Um, I'm sure he was yelling. Was nice. He's always yelling. <laughs> he was not, at least not at me yet. No, he has not yelled at me. Um, but segues nice into Ryan. And for those who don't know, those listening, Ryan is your younger brother and is is a really good baseball player. He is uh, committed to Wichita State um, as a pitcher, and he is very much an MLB draft prospect. How cool is that to watch his journey? I mean, like, I mean, you've known him since he was very little, born. since he was born. So, yeah, I mean, how how is it? Because um, I know you're you're so supportive. You are, um, and I know how much that means too. Because I have a sister that is incredibly supportive as well. And she was on my, she's so supportive that she dealt with me on my first ever episode. So as as bad as I was and as nervous as I was, you know, my poor sister got, got the worst of me. Um, How cool is that to have followed your brother's journey and, and continuing now into his senior year? It has been amazing. I think it's nothing short of amazing. Never when I when he was this little tiny squish of a human being did I think that he was going to turn into this amazing sort of mature uh, baseball player. Like I think when you are growing up with your siblings, you're that's what they are. They're your siblings. They're someone you kind of tease and you hang out with all the time. And when you're bored, you go into your brother's room and you know mess with him. And so I think as we've gotten older. I'm like, wow, just it amazes me how truly kind and supportive of his teammates, an amazing athlete he is. Um, Like every time I go to games, because obviously during the bulk of his high school season, I've been in college. So I only get to see the tail bits of where he's in the playoffs. And the amount of people who have come up to me or come up to my mom while I'm standing there and said, yeah, you're brother, your son's such an amazing athlete, but he is also such an amazing teammate. And that's what I'm truly the proudest of. Because when push comes to shove, yes, he is a a great pitcher. And I am so excited for where he goes in the future. But I think above all, he deserves it. He works so hard and he's such a good person that no one deserves the recognition and the success like he does. And so that's that would be my biggest takeaway from watching him go through this process is that he's just a great kid makes me happy yeah and i've seen all that from afar uh, his personality his passion i don't know if there's anyone more passionate right now in, in illinois high school <laughs> baseball than than ryan is for for his team what's what's something that you thought mattered so much as an athlete um as a collegiate athlete, maybe, or even in high school, what's something you thought mattered so much that doesn't really matter anymore and something you might tell Ryan, like, hey, don't listen to this or don't do this or please make sure you don't give too much time or too much attention to this certain thing. Like, what is, what's something that you kind of hope he doesn't um, fall into, I guess, as as an athlete? 
Sure. I think kind of going back to what the advice my dad given me, I have tried to give it to my brother with especially baseball. There is so many voices. And because baseball is such a technical sport, everyone's going to have a different opinion of you. Someone thinks that he's a great closer. Someone thinks he's a great opener. Someone doesn't think he's good enough. Someone thinks he's top round draft pick. When it At the end of the day, all of it is just noise. I think something that I've learned is that coaches are human too. Recruiters are human too. They're going to say things in the heat of the moment that they may not mean. They're also going to say things that are really amazing. So at the end of the day, the advice that I've given Ryan is you got to do what makes sense for you. Um, and that's what he did during our recruiting process. I think we've learned a lot from what I went through. And he was able to take that knowledge of what makes sense for him um, when he was going on these recruiting visits because he would go out to all these crazy places. The West, There's schools on the West Coast that wanted him, East Coast. And then he went to Wichita. Um, it just made sense for him. It clicked. Something was like, this is my place. And I'm sure that there's people, places that are like, oh, you should go to this school. My grandparents saw you go to that school. But he made the decision, hopefully, with some advice from our family, that he was like, this is what I want. This is their coaching staff, the fields, the team, what their goals were, what their values were. It made sense for him. And I think that's all that matters in sometimes these cases because athletics can be so competitive and mentally draining at some point. So going there and feeling like he belonged was all he needed. And so that would be my, that was the advice I gave to him. Mm -hmm. I want to know a little bit more about your, your father. What was, what was the, did he take something or a lot of things that, you know, from your experiences and and coming up, um, you know, first that he applied to Ryan, was there, what are the, the, the differences in maybe not advice, but, um, just kind of his guidance. Are there any differences or has he stayed pretty consistent across the board between you and Ryan? Yes and no. I think the overall messages have stayed the same, but he has had to really change up how he delivers. My brother and I are completely different people. I'm much more, I got it. I can do it myself. Give me a day and I'll figure it out. Um, I'm not super open up about my emotions. I'm kind of put my head down, get to work kind of person. And that's very much so my dad as well. So I think that's why we were able to click so well. And he was able to guide me because his thought process was very similar to mine. Um, My brother, God love him, is a little bit more emotional than I am. He was the kid, like he has so much passion for what he does. But like he was in sixth grade and he would strike out and that helmet was going through the fence. No, was it not? The, it was definitely not the best way to handle things, but like you had to give it to him that this kid had passion. He wanted to be good. He was so competitive with himself, with others, that he was going to do it no matter what you told him. So my dad definitely had to switch up his approach a little bit with dealing with my brother having a little bit more emotion than I did. And so although the delivery was the same, my dad had to kind of take a step back and let my brother let his emotions run be frustrated, be passionate. And then once he took a breath, I was like, oh yeah, okay. I will work on that. So it was just a little bit different, but um, overall messages has stayed consistent. 
have to I have to find out his availability. See when he can can take some. My time dad or my brother sit down. Yeah, both, even both. Yeah, but um, they would both love it. Yeah, where um, what's your responsibility like to continue guiding your brother? Because I think there's also something to be said about letting your your brother, anyone you care about, make their own mistakes. Where are you kind of on the spectrum of, hey, I want to help, I want to guide, I want to lead you, but also hands-off approach where you need to make your own mistakes, you need to to kind of do what you're going to do and come back to me and say, hey, I, I should have listened to you or why didn't you tell me this? Um, where are you on that spectrum? Have you been more hands-on, hands-off? What's your approach like? I think when he was younger, I was a little bit more hands-on. I felt that, you know, big sister protectiveness. Um, we're also five years apart. So when he was um, in eighth grade, I was a senior in high school already. So I think I had that protectiveness over him that almost wanted to shield him from negativity in life and be like, no, this is the way you got to do things. As we've gotten older and now he's 18, I've definitely become more hands-off. Um, he's grown into such an amazing, mature person that I have faith that he's going to make the right decisions. And I have faith that if he does mess up, he's going to fix his mistakes and learn from them. I think it's important for everyone to do that. Um, so like as we've grown, I think the biggest thing that I've done is I've stayed very protective. But I think it's important to it's also his own journey. I've been on my athletic journey and now it's his turn to kind of write his own story. So although I'm a part of it and I'll and if he comes to me, we absolutely have great talks and he, if he needs advice, he'll come find me. But I don't I don't think that I need to put myself if I don't if I'm not needed and he's good, I think I think he's good. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, even shielding like you said shielding him from from negativity if there's anyone that's going to do that it's it's definitely you you've you know your personality like i said positivity it's always there what what keeps you so positive is it family friends i know you're you're on your i mean you've are you're already successful but like you know earning your masters here soon in business administration um you have a lot going for you what um, is that what is, are you just so gracious and grateful that that's where that positive positivity comes from? Um, I don't, I don't know. I think I honestly, I think my injuries helped me stay more positive, although they were really negative experiences. I think I would have driven myself absolutely crazy if I sat in my room and was like, this sucks. I hate my life. Great. Another injury. I, and of course you're going to have days like that, but I would have, if every day was like that, I would have gone crazy. I would not be sitting here with you. I would be, you know, doing something else. But I think injuries, it made me really look to myself to pull people, pull myself out of kind of dark spaces. And with each injury, I, although I had to take a step back, I kind of looked at it like, well, if I can handle that, I can handle whatever I got going on. If I can handle four, five, six knee surgeries, what what's an interview? 
what's, you know, going through a bad day, what's, you know, being a little late to work. I think it's given me a whole new perspective. And although the injuries have sucked, um, it's definitely not fun going through it. I think I wouldn't necessarily change my journey because it's taught me so much about myself and taught me so much about the strength that I have within myself. Um, and that kind of fed into my positivity because um, without them, I don't think that I would have learned how much I can fight and how much I can find these different solutions and what I do bring to a table. So becoming positive was just kind of a, a part of it. I kind of had to, I was kind of forced. There was no way I would have been, I would have stopped four surgeries ago um, if I didn't change the way that I thought. So um, I think I owe it to that. I owe it to uh, my mom. I think that she didn't let me stay in the dark for too long. She was like, you get a day to feel bad about yourself and then it's back to work. Like if this is what you want and you can tell me that this is what you want, then you got to get back to work. And if you don't want this, that's fine. Then we will, you know, go do something else. But if this is what you want and that's what you're telling me, let's let's do it. Let's make it happen. So with her help, kind of turning on my own self, um, I kind of just had to be positive. It was just, I needed I needed it for myself. And now I think that I've taken those lessons and just kept it going in my own life that um, the little silly things that happen in life, like, you know, as cliche as it is, you don't cry over spilled milk. You just, things are gonna happen. And as long as you know that better things are coming, I think it just maintains your positive attitude. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's so important. Every everyone that I've had on has kind of had their own path, setbacks, adversity that I start to look at, you know, I listen to these stories and I listen to to everyone sharing their experiences and then I kind of look at my life, look at myself and I'm like, "Man, my problems are so small compared to everyone else's." Um even yesterday I was talking to um, you know, Griffin Phelps, he's, he was a former top tier coach, um, University of Arizona pitcher, went to JUCO after Arizona and he had some injuries and missed playing in the college world series because of an injury. And, you know, I'm here upset about, I don't know, I can't even think of an, a problem that I had today because they're so small that I can't even, you know, I can't even it doesn't even stand out. So I appreciate you kind of opening up and sharing, um, you know, your story, your experiences. What's, what's next for Grace Garrity? Masters soon. What's other than that? What's next? You know, I don't know. I think, but I think that's kind of the exciting part. Um, I think for so long with college athletics, it was, this is next. You play sports you make varsity you go to the camps you get recruited you go to school you graduate school and now what so I'm kind of enjoying my now what at the moment um I'm getting my master's I'll graduate in August um doing it in one year so accelerated program and I'm working in sports now which I love I'm a grad assistant for Xavier in their sports marketing and so I think that just learning and being a part of sports but not having to play sports has been really fun and I'm I'm kind of just in, enjoying the ride I think I'm excited to be a fan rather than a player for my brother 
um, and seeing where that takes him this summer. So yeah, I'm enjoying my I'm enjoying my now what. That's that's all I can give you right now. Yeah, and so many people are even myself afraid of the the now what. But it sounds like you're embracing it, which is really, really cool. Trying to. It's something that I think, <laughs> something that we probably all should embrace because there is, there's some peace in not knowing, I think. There's like, the story might be already written for you, but you're just kind of along for the ride. And I think that's, that's really cool. Uh, I kind of end every, every interview with one question. What, what makes your story so unique, but also so achievable? I think what makes my story unique is it's it's just me. I think every single person goes through a slightly different story and no one's is going to look the same. Um, I think the people that have molded me into who I am, the path that I've taken, it's, it's replicable to no one else's. No one else can say they've gone through the same days that I have. And so, um, but I think... On your question of is it achievable, I think anything is if you put your head head in your mind and your heart in the right place. Um, and I think anything's achievable if you have the right support staff. Like my parents, my brother, um, my friends, my teammates, um, they made it achievable. They made it. They made the bad days seem not so bad. So yes, I think everyone's story is different, and I think everyone's gonna have struggles in their lives. But I think knowing that better days are coming, knowing that you have people that are supporting you, it I think it can make anything achievable. That's awesome. Thank you for taking the Thank time. Thank you. Like I said, you real busy. Um, and I've learned a lot from, from this. And every time we work together, every summer that we work together, I learned a little bit more about how I need to lead and how I need to conduct myself. Um, and it might sound weird because, you know, the whatever hierarchy, I guess, but which I don't, I try not to pay much attention to, but I do learn a lot from you and Maria uh, as well. I know every day I, I think I learned something about how I need to lead through people like you guys. So I thank you and look forward to learning more from you uh, as, as we continue. Thank you. This is so fun.